1: I'm Susanna Constantine and this is my wardrobe malfunction where I start talking to a very special guest about their relationship with clothes and then we wander off onto all sorts of crazy tangents. This is our 12th Zoom episode, recorded in lockdown in June 2020. You can also find it as a video version on our website at mywardmile.com. Why don't you join our pajama party and email your funny clothing stories to us at help at mywardmal.com. Finally, and I know I bang on about this all the bloody time, but please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and follow us on the usual socials at mywardmal. Then maybe I'll stop mentioning it, but I doubt it. Right, this week's special guest is the Mighty Skin lead singer and songwriter of Skunk and Nancy and one of my dearest friends. God, I love this woman. And she's got her brand new memoir coming out next week on the 24th of September. It's called It Takes Blood and Guts, and I cannot wait to read it. But in the meantime, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. Today, I have a very old and very dear friend, um, Skin from Skunk and Nancy. Hi! <laughs> How long has it been since we saw each other?
2: Um, it's going to be a few years now. Yeah. I think you were in the back of your car with Esme once, and she was singing um, "Highway to Hell." Remember that? You put it on. You got you. You put it on. You went. Watch this. Watch this. You put it on, and she went. Like, oh my God, so cute so cute because we like we were i mean
1: you know life happens and but we have our friends and our memories and and you and i we were joined at the hip weren't we for about kind of four years we were like know, in like, yeah,
2: like running around two different places and then we i guess i, I moved i'm always moving I'm yeah always, just been, i was in los angeles i was in Ibiza, I'm just around the place, so yeah, Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see your lovely face.
1: Oh god, and you, Skin. I
2: feel like I've I've been seeing you all the time because um, I was watching your whole hair thing.
1: Oh my god, (laughs) yeah, not your problem, Skin.
2: My problem, why not, yeah, it's nice to see you.
1: Oh my darling, so you're living it.
2: how long have you been in New York for now? Um, I got here the day they did the lockdown here, so Oh, I literally got, I, I had a bunch of work here, DJing and stuff that I was going to be doing here. And I got my visa on the morning and my flight was that evening, which was two hours later, they completely closed it down. So I've been yeah. here since really. I've had my whole lockdown here with my other half. Yeah. Um, I think May, March, mid-March, I've been here oh. since. Yeah. So are you, what, are you
1: renting somewhere or? You uh, no, we,
2: um, my other half has, already has a place here. Okay, so
1: good.
2: So I'm, I mean, it's a very nice flat. Which yeah. Is, we have one upstairs and one downstairs, so we're a bit small. Nice. So um, you
1: feel like it's kind of your inner home rather than some kind of rent. Yeah, no,
2: we're definitely, I'm definitely surrounded by all my things. I've got my guitar, I've got my DJ set, I've got like uh, some clothes. So it's kind of a home away from home. Yeah.
1: But it's that, uh, you know, it's kind of like looking back at your music skin, it's kind of as relevant as it ever was. It's, yeah. it's almost, I mean, if you could have been winding the movie forward, you would have been making this music. So, like Little Baby Swastika and or yeah, exactly. other songs that call out little racism. Soska.
2: Exactly. Little Baby Swastika was our very first single, which was a Radio 1 single that they did. I think they did a the composition. They played three bands, and everybody had to choose which band they wanted to make to, to kind of basically produce a record, a little seven inch vinyl. I mean, they chose us and they ended up, I think they were going to do 200 and ended up doing 1,000. Um, and that was the very start of our career, right up until the new single, which is not so new, This Means War.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: it's kind of a topic that we, I mean, we're not a political band. You know, I always say we're not a political band, we're band with politics in us. Yeah. So, you know, we have lots. I mean, just imagine if you've got a friend and that friend's always banging on politics, a bit bloody boring, isn't it? You're like, oh, yeah. Put fucking sock in it. So um, we have lots of things that we we talk about, but yeah, it's one of the things we keep coming back to because it just it just lands in your face wherever you yeah. go, you where know, you encounter racism, you encounter. You,
1: I mean, for you, I, you know, when I think of your music, especially weirdly, your solo album. Do you remember that? Well, of course, you remember yeah. it. I love that album, but um, you've always, for you, it's always been about the music. never ever ever been about the fame. It's been about the music, creativity. How you are yeah. perceived on stage more than the fa- fame because you've done so much that's kind of like truly remarkable stuff that's remained under the radar a little bit.
2: That's the fun in it for me. The fun in yeah. it is the quality. You know, the fame is kind of almost like a lovely byproduct that you have to have and you kind of, you know, have as a, as a consequence of doing very well. You're going to be a bit famous, but it's kind of what you are as famous as you want to be, I always think. Too. Oh. You know? True. Like, if you want to be in the magazines and be on the front page of the sun, everybody knows what you need to do to do that. And if you don't, mm-hmm. everybody knows what you need to do not to have your face up there. But sometimes it's unav- unavoidable. I mean, some things just the way the press is now. I think it's very clickbaity. So yeah, you right. might do one thing, and if it can be twisted into a bit of clickbait, then you're going to have your face blown right. and doing something silly anyway. Um. But yeah, I think uh, the the quality of the music and the artistic thing for me is always comes first. Famous fun, isn't
1: it? It's laugh. Yeah, well, <laughs> it can be. And I mean, yeah, yeah. For some it can be and it can't be. But yeah. you, I mean, for you, you it must have been, also, and still, you're so visually striking. So, and you've always had this incredible style. And for me, it's like when I've seen you in the past, it's like you you've worn clothes as sort of installations, almost like art as opposed to clothes. So, when you've been dressed by, you, who, Chalayenne, who's saying Chalayenne, yeah? Gareth, Pugh, um, who else has dressed no, you? Noki, Noki?
2: No um oh, lots of people. Lots yeah. of people. You know, I, I think on stage, I like things to be, I mean, you're on stage, aren't you? Let's make a show of it. I mean, this is, yeah. I think, the way it's like all exaggerated and make a show and all over the top. And I, kind of, I like that feeling. But um and then the rest of the time I just kind of like to it's really just about feeling good in myself and feeling good in my own skin and in my own clothes and and you know it's a bit weird now, literally if I'm going to the supermarket, I'm putting on a former queen because it's like when I'm when you're not getting any chance to dress up and <laughs> walk into the supermarket and they're like, What does she look like? But it's New York, you know, nobody really cares. Some people are in there and they're leotards, you know. But yeah. um but yeah, it's it's a weird time for fashion right now. But I, I like to be over the top on stage you know I like the lights to hit me and it's like whoa and it's all a show you know it's a bit of glamorous you also know,
1: when you you know when you are on stage you're you come across being quite angry um only in the angry songs well see only on the angry song but you're so not that person it's like I remember the first time I heard you speak I nearly I nearly passed out it was such a surprise <laughs> There's a little squeaky voice you know instead of the kind of growl that was there before?
2: I mean, I think um, on stage it's just kind of uh, it depends on what song, because I mean we've got some yeah. funny songs and some sexy songs and some heartbroken songs, but um, I definitely, you know, when I was, you know, when I was younger, songs like "Selling Jesus" and "Yes, It's Fucking Political" and whatever, was like, you know, you can't really say, "Yes, It's Fucking Political," <laughs> you know. Yeah. A, it's like, yeah, but, but, and it's, that was fun, you know. It's fun to kind of go on stage and stomp around and yeah. and be crazy. But I think it's because it's so in your face. Maybe that's the bit that the that gets publicized more in some ways. Yeah, like, of course. Like, you know. Set, you know, the songs that we have on stage, they're all kinds of songs. Some would just jump around disco songs,
3: yeah,
2: and some are kind of lonely, heartbreaking moments. It's, yeah. it's all there. this is Esme. Do you remember Hello. Esme? Oh my god, is you may be an ACDC fan. I remember being, being in your car when you were little, probably <laughs> like Highway to Hell. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> matter. Oh my god, you're so big. You're so I incredible. know, I've seen you in ages. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just like, I mean, I'm stuck in New York. I'm, you know, it's, I'm not stuck. I like it here. No. But, um, I can't leave at the moment. How was
1: how important was your image compared to, well, not as hard to compare, I guess, but your image when you first came when you first came to everyone's attention. Um, you were deemed to be the kind of most extraordinary uh, and singular, unique person in the way you dress since David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust. So you're, you know, you were skin, but then you're also Deborah.
2: I mean, I think, um, if I'm really honest, when we first started, I didn't really know that much about fashion. I didn't really give a fuck. I was just in my day clothes. Yeah.
3: Because
2: I think in the early days, it was grunge. It was anti-fashion. It was... You know, you you kind of had to look like you walked in on stage or something, you just dragged off the floor that morning, you know, it was yeah. very much kind of like anti-fashion, which in itself is a fashion, you know, yeah. which in itself is a look to not want to be... Blah blah, and then as time goes along, and you kind of start meeting people, and you learn a lot more. I mean, when I was at university, was at college, I was really into my looks and really into my fashion, but it wasn't designer fashion because I couldn't fucking afford it to yeah. be quite But I always liked to look, and I always liked to look cute and good and fanciable, I guess. Um, and then I think in those early days, it was just literally a skinny top and baggy pants. I mean, when you're young and skinny, you can get away with anything. I find. Right. It really doesn't matter. Everything was good. Yeah. Perfect to, to know that now. <laughs> you know. Oh, if only
1: we appreciated it more back then. Because I was looking at you now, I can't quite see, but it looks like your boobs have got bigger. They Yeah, they're
2: good. They're good. yeah they have. My God,
1: skin, they have.
2: They have. That happened yeah. about 10 years ago. It's really bloody annoying. I hate it. I keep having conversations to say, well, I should get them reduced because the line that I like—I'm not very curvaceous—but the line like I like is kind of almost androgynous, a bit boyish. Yeah, because that's and, like, and that's my kind of vibe. And now I'm kind of have—I'm forced to be womanly,
1: Susanna. And I keep saying this, and you know, it's an ongoing conversation. But you can't be fashionable and have boobs. I mean, you've got an advantage because you have these amazing features. You've got your—you know—your your lack of hair and you're very striking so you can get away with a lot but it's interesting now you have to be more feminine in the way you dress now
2: I have to be now I'm forced to be a little bit more feminine I'm forced to be a little bit more um curvaceous but I kind of don't want to be so I end up kind of like you know putting caps on and you know being silly and 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 being a little I mean I I I love being feminine and I love I don't particularly like being butch that's not Mm. me at all I love being feminine and I love being androgynous, which I think yeah. is a very chic kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't like being butch, like mannish kind of thing. That's not my, not my thing. And I find that I'm, I'm the way that fashion is. You know, it's a bunch of gay guys like designing for skinny skinny boys, basically, yeah. and twelve year old girls. Yeah. And, when you get older, there are certain labels I love, like Westwood, that really kind of cater, yeah. it, cater for that. But it's kind of like I'm, I'm working out how to grow it all gracefully and disgracefully at the same time. You know, because I I really think that you get to a point where you just don't give a flying fuck. Yeah. And why should you? You know, yeah. you're your in person, you feel very comfortable in your clothes, and you get to a point where you're like, I'm just gonna wear what I'm gonna wear, and I love it. And I'm much more into being functional and happy, and my mood. So what uh, is that? Functional? What is
1: that look? That kind of happy look. That sort of.
2: It's kind of part yardy, part unjudginess. Um, now I've got boobs. I'm wearing tighter tops. Mm-hmm. Um, colour. I like a lot of black, but I like a lot of colour. Like, when I go to Ibiza, I wear a different colour every day. I'm colour blocking yeah. orange. So when I go to my yoga retreats, for instance, I'll do one day orange, one day yellow, one day blue. I love color, I love white. Um, but you know, in London, you kind of keep falling back into black because it's just so easy to get cool black stuff and mix and match it, you know, you can wear black things with other black things and you're doing fine. It's just yeah, no a little bit brainer. easy. But
1: who were your, your role models when you were growing up, your kind of style role models?
2: Um, when I was growing up, I would say Blondie. Okay. She was my first kind um, yeah. of role models, um, Bowie. Yeah. Bowie. Um, face Jones, obviously. Yeah. yeah like I'll... lady. lady, lady. Hear that? Yeah. Ne 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 um, When I was growing up, I, I liked Blondie, she was probably my first style icon because I remember I was 10 years old and I used to watch Top of the Pops religiously, literally. Yeah. I mean I was a little black girl in Brixton surrounded by blackness and black culture and whatever and then I had this little window to another world, and, you know, because in those days things were a lot more separate and I used to watch Top of the Pops and Top of the Pops was my, my secret little friend and I remember that moment when Blondie came on and she had a stripy dress and she was standing there like doing a little flick. And I remember thinking, that's amazing. I want to do that. And she looked great. And I think that was my first inkling of fashion. My very first was my school uniform. Really? I- you loved your school uniform? Oh, my God. some Martin's in the field girls' school. Um, and we had my mum went to this one shop that sold all of the school uniforms and she spent £105 and for that I got three sets of skirt and blouse and jumper, I got the summer uniform which was like a pinafore dress, um, a black and and, white and red square dress and a um, hockey kit because we played hockey and swim uniform and tennis outfit and I absolutely loved it. I loved being a smart, perfectly ironed St Martin in the field school girl. That was my really first fashion moment. And then my second was Blondie. Because by the time you get to 13, when you're 11, you're like, oh, well, that's cute, cool. cool. Uh, you yeah, get to yeah. 13, you're like, oh no, God, no. The whole boat's ticking. Oh, yeah, then you're like, I don't want to wear this. But um, then it was Blondie. Um, Boy George rocked my world. I remember being a kid being rocked by Boy yeah. George and that whole kind of hip hop fashion when that started. Um, And yeah, like Grace Jones, blondie, a bit of Bowie. Um, I liked kind of like how the reggae boys dressed in Jamaica because we used to go to Jamaica when I was a kid. And the Yardi look was so lovely, like really skinny, perfectly furrowed jeans, a bit of a white sock, steppers, clean little jumpers. Really, I mean, Jamaicans dress really cleanly and really beautifully when they're going out, and I love that little—it's—it's it's, it's
1: almost preppy,
2: isn't it? Yeah,
1: very like interesting.
2: Heidi kind of, kind of preppy kind of thing. Yeah, um, a little bit cowboy because they love country music in Jamaica. Yeah, that, do they really? I didn't know that. Oh my god! Really? They, Islands in the Stream. Dolly Parton was Jamaican number one. I,
3: the
2: don't sing. Sing. <laughs> I don't <remember laughs> That is what you are, stay away from me, do another <laughs> um, That was Jamaican number one for 16, for 16 weeks.
3: How amazing. I, mean, I was
2: raised on reggae and country. Like yeah. Like, Berlin, stand by your oh man, you know, all of those people. Weird, I Jamaicans love country and western, but they do reggae versions.
1: Which must be sublime. That yeah. must have, I've never heard that. You're gonna have to tell me, but
2: gonna, I'll, I'll send you a thousand volts of Holt. Yeah, <laughs> have you heard um serpent with feet? Amazing,
1: amazing.
2: Um, what a voice! It takes a, like, minute. to The first time I was a bit like, Oh, it's a bit much, and I'm like, Oh, it's a bit much. Oh, it's a bit much, you know, yeah. it takes a, a minute, yeah.
1: but amazing,
2: amazing voice, amazing song, amazing.
1: and so. Different and yeah. unusual. I was quite chuffed to find that, but he's only done an EP so far.
2: So, Skin, when did you become Skin? Um, skin is short for skinny. Um, and it's interesting because um, when Jamaican kids being skinny is called Marga, you know, or Marga, you're skinny. It's not, it's not a good thing. You know, Jamaicans like a bit more, especially when I was a kid, they like a bit more meat. And I was always being taken the piss out of because I was super, super skinny. Um, And it wasn't a good thing. And it wasn't until um, the band started. And I remember I did a session with Corinne Day, um, amazing photographer, for The Face. And she'd just done Kate Moss. And kind of the opposite of what's happening now she made it cool for to be skinny I mean yes there's a whole debate about skinny there's a whole debate about skinny shaming fat shaming and I'm completely conscious of that but for me it was the other way around it was kind of like skinny was not seen as a good thing it was not seen positively but that was my natural thing so Mm. I was trying to hide myself in big and baggy clothes and not show my arms Mm-hmm. Um and it was when I did that shoot with Corinne Day and um, the Kate Moss thing that I kind of started to feel comfortable about it. And and so skinny became a good thing. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing. In the way that people who are big now they can say it's not a bad thing anymore. You know, nobody is everybody's happy with everybody's shape, you know. But mm-hmm. back in those days, skinny was a bad thing, it wasn't cool. Um and so I just kind of embraced that and I called myself skin, which was short for skinny. Just because it's just easier to say, really, and kind of cooler, you know, but really all my band and all my friends, and everybody just calls me skinny. Yeah. Not so skinny anymore though, I wish. Skinny. But um, my love, when did you shave your head first? How old were you? I shaved my oh. head at 22. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I, no hair never worked for me. It just didn't work. I, it never really grew. I never really knew what to do with it. I mean, you know, my mum wasn't into fashion or into hairstyles. I didn't have that training. I had three brothers. Yeah. And my mom was just busy out being a nurse. And um, I just had no, no, none of my school friends. They were just all gorgeous without doing a stick, not even a lipstick, any of them were. Yeah. And um, I remember getting, I went to university and I came out the other end. And then I was just starting wearing wearing head scars because I just couldn't be asked. I was really into everything from here down. I was like concerned about that. And then I remember I was just like, I'm really over this hair, I'm going to shave it off. So I had my friend's boyfriend. I knew he had a pair of clippers. i come around and cut my hair. So he came round and he cut it. And I goes, no, lower, lower. And he cuts it more It goes, lower lower because I'm not cutting it any lower I'm not cutting it anymore it's not girly and I'm like no just cut it low it's gonna work and he cut it down to about there and then absolutely point blank refused and then I had to go to this famous barber shop in Brixton called, and this guy called Curly who died but he used to review all the kids hair and I said can you cut my hair and then they were the same they cut it cut it cut it cut it and then they eventually shaved it off and I remember looking in the mirror and going there you are that's that amazing! Instant confidence, instant happy with myself, negativity or whatever.
3: Yeah.
2: And, um, and then after that, I just—it was just such a pain in the ass getting one to cut my hair low enough. So I bought a pair of men's beard trimmers and then I just learned how to do it myself backwards. Yeah.
1: And that's what you've been doing ever since.
2: Yeah. It's just—it um, was just that sense of—it just never suited me. I never found the hairstyle that worked. And then I've grown it a couple of times since just to check, but I looked, I just look so much better without
4: it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quincecom style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Yeah, I can't, I cannot imagine you with hair. You know, it's that skin. You were in the Can't imagine it at all. But skin. So the, the you duetted with some amazing people. So you you duetted with um, Pavarotti in front of the D- Dalai Lama. What was that like? Because actually, I can imagine your voices working really well together.
2: It was really. Fun. I actually tell you a secret. I um I actually went and stayed with him for a few. I went a few days before, and um, because he said he wants to give me some singing lessons. Oh, thank you very much. So I went down to the house in Moneda and we stayed there and um just had fun and he gave me some singing lessons and cooked food and you know he um he's just one of those he was just one of those happy people that just wanted everyone to have a good time and be happy. And um yeah, and then I basically went to the hotel after a couple of days, but because I, I was a few days early, and I was given um George Michael's suite and then they were so embarrassed not to Tell Michael that I was in his suite because I was early, that they didn't chuck me out and I had his suite for the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was lovely. It was a really, it was just one of those moments, really, wasn't it? That you know, I got to sing with, um, you know, yeah. you sang Happy
1: Birthday for um, Nelson Mandela,
2: yeah, in South Africa, his 80th birthday with Stevie. That. Mm. Stevie Wine was playing keyboards, and I was doing lead, and Michael Jackson was doing backup. <laughs> Oh yes,
1: that's my girl. Yeah,
2: so that was, that was, yeah, he was a bit weird though. Yeah. What, who? Michael Jackson. Yeah, he was. Mandela was great.
1: Yeah, it's a whole nother conversation, but, um, just broken, really, a broken person trying to physically, literally hold himself together.
2: Yeah. I mean, who knows what that guy had actually really been through and, you know, I guess there's so many variations of the story, you know, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he just, I think that he's just a lot more, he was a lot more calculated than people would like to believe. That's what I do believe. I mean, no, he didn't have the, he had his fake voice and his real voice.
1: Because you were the first, you, Skin and Skunk Nancy, you were the first black female lead player, um, Glastonbury, not Beyonce and more Stormzy.
2: Oh, <laughs> um, you know when you when you know when you think something and you tweet it and it goes, everyone goes mad about it. It was one of those occasions. Where I was like, oh, do, 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 I love Stormzy, and then I was, yeah, yeah. and then about hours later, everyone starts texting me saying blah 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 blah, and it's got, it's gone viral, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh, and it was just one of those moments I guess that I think a lot of people kind of forget that Skunk and Enzi have done a lot of stuff, you know, that Skunk and Enzi have um have been around and done some amazing stuff. And I mean we you know, I wasn't the first black person, I think uh, there was somebody else in the eighties. I guess I guess the main thing is there hasn't been very many. Yeah so, I mean there was Prodigy, Skunk and Enzi, Stormzy. Wow. and a few people back in the 80s, and that's kind of kind of a bit about it. I mean, it's just, I, I guess that the, the thing I felt about it was, was like how, you know, we do things and then we're so kind of like, oh, but remember we've done this, remember we've done that. I was the first black person to do this and first black person to do that. And I guess that's something that white people never have to do.
3: Yeah.
2: So, you know, it's kind of, you, these these are kind of achievements and you feel you kind of have to claim things a lot more than, than you would like to, which I guess is the issue really, isn't it? It's like, yeah. why 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 aren't there more, why is it a thing? Why aren't there more headlines of lots of festivals around the world, not just Glastonbury, but mm. quite a few uh, festivals, I think, yes, I was probably the first black person to headline and, and also probably the only black person in some countries, I'd say. Yeah, but um, I think this is a product, like when you consider the con- contribution and how many black artists there are, you know, in all spheres of music, I really do feel we're still quite underrepresented when it comes to headline swap, You know, the, the kind of prestige slots on headline festivals. I think there's, yeah. there's, there's so much work there to be done.
1: Yeah. Well, this is your moment, Skin. This is your opportunity <laughs> because you're always you always remain current, and it's it's kind of you do you always struck me as someone who never looks back. You're always kind of in the present or looking to the future about where your path is going to go. And I always I mean, found it very inspiring that, from you, about you.
2: That's, that's, that's the fun thing about being an artist. I mean, as you know yourself, there's lots of things that you can do. You can do this and you can do that. And well, why can't you do this? I mean, yeah. I've just written my first book. Um, You're yeah, excited about that. Yeah. and it, you, It's only when you stop and look back that you realise all these things that you've done.
3: Mm. You know,
2: I remember the story. story um, I have to tell you my Playboy story. OK, tell me. <laughs> we were in um, Las Vegas. We'd done this meeting with this wonderful photographer, whose who shall remain nameless. And we were on this shoot. And the, it all went wrong from the very first beginning. I mean, imagine we're on a shoot, and the, the photographer's assistant is giving the photographer lip, literally. Like, he's saying, will you hold, you know, hold the reflector? And the guy's like, oh, I'm holding the reflector. And he's like, no, hold it up straight. Dumbass, and said, No, you're the dumbass, you know. And you're kind of like, This is the photographer's assistant. I mean, photographer having an argument while you're trying to stand there looking pretty. Shoot. We have two days of the worst photo shoot the world has ever known. Literally, none of the sites are researched, no permission or permits for anything. Everything was shut down. Cut to the end of the second day, um, the photographer has been demanding to have a private meeting with him the whole time. So I was like, okay, let's have a private meeting because he wants my manager not to be there and she's refusing. She's like, no. So we have this private meeting. And he says, okay, I have this other idea for a photo. I think it's going to be amazing. You naked on top of a velvet sofa with a tiger's head between your legs. So I'm kind of looking at him like, how is that going to be of any use for skunk and antsy? You know, I said, no, it's going to be great. And I'm like, no. So cut to the next morning, bang, bang, bang on my door at 7 o'clock in the morning, and Lee, my manager, comes in and says that she was sitting at the bar the night before, and the truck diver for the um, photographer, who had all of his props in there, she says, oh, you know, it's a shame we're not going to get to use the the, the Playboy mascot. And my manager's Lee, she's like, what do you mean the Playboy mascot? "Oh, Oh, yeah, because he's done a side deal with Playboy, if he can get you with the tiger head mascot between your legs they're going to do featuring Playboy with you. You
1: are <laughs> choking.
2: Can you imagine? So that was the end of that shoot. But yeah, so I guess he thought that once he took the shots and took the photos, he could just sell them and, um, you know, we'd yes. find out about it afterwards, but he would be paid and whatever. Yeah.
1: So A very well-known photographer.
2: Um, he was fired from his agency after that. But I've, I've seen his name pop up.
1: Yeah. So you travelled, you you know, with your with your band, you've travelled the world. Do you have a comfort blanket? Is it something that you always take with you or something that you can't live without? Oh, let me get it. Oh, Skin, I love you. I, so
2: don't, I don't really have all my stuff here, but I just... Okay.
1: Yes, gorgeous it's, little Louis Vuitton.
2: It's just, I always take this with me because it's just... All of the jewellery that I really love in one tiny little packet. Have a look. <laughs> there is. There is. Oh, this is nice. This is um, Westwood. Like no,
1: no, nice. Yeah. I just
2: cool. got like lots of pieces of um, lots of kind of makeup. Uh, not makeup. Sorry, lots of jewellery. You were You jewelry.
1: don't really. That's fair fab. Do you know um uh. What's it called? Tilly something.
2: <coughs> you mainly wear silver jewellery. Um I actually I'm, I mainly wear gold. Oh, okay. I wear because I'm actually allergic to nickel, so I can only wear eighteen hey. k Yeah. Okay. So that, look all silver
1: stuff. That's good. Oh, that oh my that? love, that's cool. Ah. Little,
2: lots of Marla Aaron. I have lots of Marla Aaron pieces. Beautiful. So I just take this because it's just you know you never know when the mood takes you to wear a bit of jewelry and it's I don't I wear jewelry for complete pleasure I just love like lots of little pieces so I just always have this is my top thing it's got all of the jewelry that's most important to me so I know who's got it with me so it can never be lost it's always in my handbag yeah um and it's just it's kind of taking little pieces of people that i love and people that i care about like you know there's a bangle in there for my mum there's pieces for my girlfriend there's pieces for my friends, and it's just kind of taking little pieces of all your posse with you That's and so it just makes you feel happy you
1: know that. Happy thing. so you'd be lost without that amount if you yeah uh,
2: I, I guess, and I, sometimes i do not even use it and i don't even take things out but i always have it with me
1: yeah, nice. Yeah. But my darling, so okay, uh, wardrobe malfunctions. What's the worst, or have you never had one? I, have
2: many. I yep. mean, I have had the last time we played Brixton Academy, my trousers were ripped in half down the back. I had oh. to go and change the gig. But one of the worst ones, actually, because things falling apart on stage is kind of okay, it just makes the gig more fun. Actually, I think it's when I met you, it was actually at David Furnish's 40th birthday party in Venice. Yeah. And I borrowed this beautiful leather McQueen dress, which was really beautifully fitted, and had a little puff sleeve, and it looked absolutely lovely. And I know mean, you complimented on it, and it was a very feminine. It was a very feminine yeah. shape, wasn't it? Like right. say, but leather.
1: Yeah. And
2: then we were sitting in that room, and it was absolutely boiling, and literally halfway through the meal, I thought. Oh my god, I'm sweating through the leather, and I could feel it. And I looked down, and I could just see it was like a burgundy color, and I could see a huge burgundy darker ring under the arms, and I'm and I think for me, you know, you're sitting in a room, and you've, you're sitting in a room of just celebrity after celebrity. I was sitting, sitting next to David Lachapelle, yeah. and I was sitting there thinking, oh my god, I'm a huge. So by the time the thing was over, I literally had these big huge kind of wet welts under my arms and I was just like oh, what can I do what can you do was I, I was really kind of like this is not the place that I was because I'm not really a sweaty person at all no, no. up until the that's bad because with leather
1: if it had been if it had been pvc you would have sweated more but it would have been fine
2: it would have almost shown and it wasn't you can't go to the loo and dry it out it's yeah, just going to be like that for hours. When it dries out, it's just going to have a white line around it. Yeah. Oh so that was probably my most horrendous fashion. Yeah. Of, I mean, I've had many, but that's the one I'm yes. like mortified about. Even now, even if I think about it now, I'm like, oh. This exactly. is kind
1: of weird. I think I can so understand that because it was a, a private event and you've got yeah. your friends and your peers and people who you haven't met but people yeah. you want to meet. Whereas if it's in public, it's an anonymous audience, you don't really mind so much. But yeah. it's something like that.
2: It's yeah. people that you want to impress and you want to look good in and you realise you've got big, you know, swimming pools under your armpits. Yeah. So that, that's probably my, my, the one that mortifies me, that the rest of them, things happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, dresses fall apart. You know, tits falls out or whatever. But that's all. I was kind of. I wanted to be all glamorous, and by the end of it, I just looked like I'd been dragged through a pool backwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, never, but darling one. So, and um, what about um? So McQueen, you've always been a big fan of McQueen, and yeah. have you? I mean, what other designers do you love? Because you've been dressed by pretty much everyone.
2: I love to mix it up with kind of brand new people, um, yeah, sure. as well as with big design label. I think it's important to kind of um, really kind of promote all the new kids coming up, especially the yeah. new British kids coming up as well. My favourite right now is Daniel Politti. Have you heard of him?
1: I'm writing that down. Hang he on. Makes
2: Daniel Pol- Politti. Okay. He makes these absolutely beautifully well-cut suits, because I'm getting into a suit phase, but I'm, I don't necessarily want to have just a normal suit. I want it to have, be a wee, bit weird and have an edge. So I've been wearing, because I've got these tits now, I've been wearing these little short kind of things that go right in at the waist. Nice. And then these beautifully flowing but a kind of juxtaposition cut trousers. Nice. Um, and just beautiful, beautifully cut clothes. By the way, I forgot, you were on
1: that bloody show, what's called The Masked <laughs> The Jay, <laughs> And as soon as you came out and knew exactly who it was immediately, you the first <laughs>
2: note, and I went, oh, my God, it's skin. And it's so funny because I I was hesitant to do it because I'm like, it's, just, "It's all my fans are going to guess it. But then you kind of think to yourself, well, it's about the judges not guessing it because the minute yeah. it goes to TV, people are going to guess it, you know, and that's yeah. why it's live, you know. Um, It was, that was mad singing in that thing. It was really fun though, because it was, it was actually very, very difficult. I thought it was just going to be a fun, stupid thing that I would do. I think think people in England think that I'm really serious, really aggressive, super political and and that's Mm. it. And I just wanted to do it to show. No, actually, I'm a bit of an idiot as well, and I'm a bit silly, and I'm, you know, yeah, I And I chose the most ridiculous outfit that they showed me. I, I mean, like, I
1: just like, love. That's, I love that's what I love. The fact that you chose the duck, whereas Jason, Jake Shears, of course, went for the sort of fancy yeah. unicorn trip trotting around. His vanity got better of him. Always does. But it was a
2: culture. I thought that it was mad show, wasn't it? I thought that the further I could possibly be away from skin, the yeah. better. And I just thought it's going to be people never in a million years think that I would dress up as a giant rubber duck and go on the set. Yeah. But um, and it was it was really silly. It was really silly. Jay Jake, Jake Jake's was I guess Jake as well. I knew that was him straight away. But yeah. it was really he was like that backstage. He was just like this the whole time. Was like he was in, yes, I saw
1: him when he was there, and I actually guessed he was due, doing the show. He was like, oh my God, he mustn't tell anybody. But darling, I'm going to ask you one final question, which is, what would be your birthday suit? Like, your most favourite piece of clothing, and it, obviously it's not going to be the leather McQueen. So what, what is your, your favourite
2: outfit? If you um, have- it's a toss-up between two. I think my absolute favourite is this tiny sequined Vivienne Westwood two-piece that I wore for a shoot. Um, And it was a beautifully, it was silver with a cocktail feather detail Mm. in sequence. And it was tiny, it was all fitted with a giant pair of pants. And I wore that with a heel. And to this day, I think that was probably the most amazing thing I've ever worn. It was one of those things where I was just like, oh, that's never going to fit me. And it fitted perfectly. And you put it on, I felt like a million dollars. Honestly, so, anyone sees me in this, they're going to want to shag me. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was, it was just one yes. the sexiest yeah. thing ever. you—you
3: yeah.
2: know.
1: you, you um, actually are yeah. the only woman who could ever have turned me. <laughs> the only woman who brings out the lesbian in me. Skin. <laughs> <The> only woman. <laughs> actually, maybe told us um, a little bit, but you—you're my number one. Woman. Oh, thank
2: you. I'm going to wear that one with pride now. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> Skinny skinners is there is there anyone whose style has absolutely blown your mind?
2: Um a really recent one actually. The the part, there's only two people in my life that I've actually been dumbstruck. One was Alice, the writer Alice Walker, that I just turned into a gibbering mess. But the second was Paul Weller, um we covered You Do Something to Me when we did an acoustic live in London. And Cass was actually in the park walking his dog, and bumped into Paul Weller, who was walking his dog. And Paul Weller said, "I love that version that you did because it was really clean and plain and simple. Loved it." And so, then we go to do our gig, and the week before, and I said, Paul, "Why don't we ask Paul Weller if he'll come do a duet?" You know. So we can just ask. You can yeah. say no. Um, and he did, and wow. he turned up in a really beautiful vintage old sports car. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we went on stage, said a quick hello. Um, And then we started playing the song and he walked on stage, and I literally just lost it. Probably one of my worst vocal performances of all time. And I said, you do something to me. And he was like, and I was just like, wow. And I was dumbstruck. Probably the only person that I've sung with that's really done that to me. And I've, I've sang with Andrew Poticelli and some amazing people. Yeah. Connor, I'm with. Um, who I loved and loved all those people but I actually just lost I was looking at him and I forgot all the words and I forgot what I was doing and I was thinking this is this is just a moment of heaven right now
1: yeah yeah I can imagine and he is super stylish too and he hasn't He's, he's the way he dresses it's unique to him and it's kind of like It's sort of old school mod, but not. He's very subtly updated it and kept it, it enhances him and his age and his maturity. He's really stylish, I agree. Yeah,
2: everything he wears is just beautifully cut, works for him, and he's totally confident in it, which is what clothes are supposed to do. They're supposed to make you feel confident, make you feel happy. Um makes you like yourself when you look in the mirror. That's what it's supposed to be about. Um, and I would say, yeah, for Oof, lovely. All
1: right, my darling. Well, listen, I, I'm i so happy to have seen you, albeit across the pond. And um, as soon as you get back to the UK, let's pick up. I'd love to see you.
2: And I'd love to see you too. And congratulations on the podcast. I've seen them all. They're really fun.
1: Oh, darling, I love you so much. And I send you a big, big, fat kiss. Absolutely. Back to you, right, sweetie. See uh,
4: yes. you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus.